0: All right. Hey, everybody. This is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman, back for the 154th Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call. We've got a real heavyweight today. We're going to start with the great Vinny Stefano in Los Angeles to tell us the latest about uh, Julian Assange. I think we're at um, getting close to ground zero here, or day X, or whatever we're going to call it. And the second segment, we're going to talk about Diablo Canyon with Linda Seeley. Kat Kramer is with us also. Um, uh, we're also at Ground Zero uh, on Diablo Canyon. Uh, and then we're going to go with uh, Ron Leonard and uh, Maya uh, 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 and, and uh, Von Rossen and uh, Wendy uh, um, Liederman. We're going to talk about uh, renewable energy, and Ron in particular has some distressing information about the assault on renewables. We're also joined by the great uh, Kathy Wolf in Maine. And Kathy, maybe you can give us an update. We wanted to talk about the Pine Tree Alliance and the vote to um, um, municipalize the state's um, electric utility. So, Kathy, I don't know if you've been following that. Are you involved with it? I think, you know, Kathy is one of the founders of the Clamshell Alliance, Uh, although she's only in her 20s. She's been active with (laughs) nuclear power for uh, as long as I have and um, uh, is is in Maine, and maybe can give us a report on the big attempt to take over the, the utility company. We love that, Kathy, if you can do it. Um, so let's start. And then the second hour, we're going to march into the swampland of the Israel-Pakistan, <laughs> I say that all the time, the Israel-Palestinian um, uh, uh, catastrophe, and um, we're going to do a very special Way of doing it. We're gonna uh, for, we're gonna do a full hour. Hi, Lisa. Lisa Matros has joined us. For, um, we're gonna. want anyone who wants it three minutes. We are not gonna do uh, a dialogue. No, no back and forth. No attack. Uh, we want uh, no personal attacks. No racial. No nationalistic. No um, hate speech. Whatever. We just want to hear people's opinions uh, on as high a level as possible. And so everybody will get. Three minutes if you want to sign up. I've only got three people signed up right now, two of whom are Dennis and um, uh, um, Vinny, but that's in the second hour after uh, two, after 3 p.m. Pacific and 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Again, it's not meant to be a dialogue. It's just meant to let everybody, because I know everybody is dying the vent, and we think that three minutes is, a, a, and don't be insulted if you're cut off after three minutes, because that's what. Everybody's going to be- get it. it, will be recorded, it will be live streamed, it will go on the radio, so it's got to be kept totally free of hate speech. We will uh, operate the um, the chat as long as it's kept uh, um, uh, uh, civil. So we hope to pioneer one of the first, if only, uh, actual civil dialogues on the, on the Middle East situation. Uh, and that's in the second hour. So uh, having said all that, let's start with the first hour. Uh, the great Vinny De Stefano is with us. Uh Vinny is, is a, a key player in the uh, the Julian Assange um, uh, situation. Uh, we have more than 50 people on the line and um, we Vinny and as I say we're live streamed uh, we're recorded for a and uh, will you blank Rick Rick Lamonica? <laughs> You're the first guy to turn up nude. So if you will uh, blank your screen, please, or put on some clothes, we'd really appreciate it. It would be great. <laughs> That's a first. Uh, Mike, uh, uh, there we go. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> I'm sure many of you are, have turned up not wearing pants, but not on screen, right? I mean, we just uh, Anyway, uh, fantastic for that one. Um, uh, John Steiner has joined us. How are you doing, John? Um, uh, go ahead, Vinny, please. <laughs> uh, you missed it John we had our first streaker on, <laughs> on the cause I'm glad to get a little laugh because I'm viewing the second hour with some trep- trepidation but anyway the <laughs> Vinny um, um, what is the latest with uh, Julian Assange Are you, do you need to be unmuted yes you do and um, I understand that we're Um, people are believing we're close to a decision? No, no.
1: I have a lot of information, so I'll have to go into tobacco auctioneer mode, because a great deal has happened over the last several days. First and foremost, when it comes to X-Day, we do. I spoke with John Cariacco earlier this morning at an event that he was part of in D.C. for Anthony Albanese, the Australian Prime Minister who's meeting uh, over the next three days with the uh, uh, Biden administration people culminating in a state dinner at uh, the White House on the 25th. He may actually be on the West Coast sometime later this month. I'll have more about that. But the Arcus deal, which is a, uh, a, a coming together of the United States and Australia, Australia's our oldest ally. Uh, they are going to be parking nuclear power, not nuclear powered, but nuclear armed subs in preparation for what is perceived to be the threat from China. And this looked like it was a done deal. But unfortunately, well, actually, fortunately, it's not. Because Albanese has come on the uh, tails of 16 MPs from Australia. 16 MPs who agree about nothing. They're just as bad as the Republicans and the Democrats and the Greens and God knows who else. They agree on nothing, but they all agree that this has gone on way too long and Julian must be freed. This on top of also um, the 63 MPs. Again, that's the lion's share of the people in the parliament in Australia have called. How, How big is the
0: parliament? How many MPs are there in the parliament? You know uh-huh. what
1: I don't know about that, okay, but I do right. know I do know this that ninety percent of the Australian population wants this extradition dropped, and there are two two articles, one in the l a Progressive by the great Stephen Rody, the other in Truth Out by Marjorie Cohen that uh, are calling for this extradition to be dropped, and that it is a slap in the face to our closest ally that would hold someone in prison for simply being an honest journalist. Now, to go back to what John Kiriakou told me, I spoke to him at a protest in, uh, um, in D.C., and he said he was in Iceland over the weekend. And his sources in Iceland, which are very good, said that the, the likelihood that X-Day will occur will occur on December the 23rd. Now that's an important date because it bumps right up against the holidays. And so it makes a great deal of sense. they would like to shovel us into the corner, and they would want this to be, uh, get as little press as possible. And so it appears that X Day will be December the 23rd. I'll have more information on that as we move closer. What well, would now, by like- X Day, you're, you're calling it Extradition Day? Is that? No, no. That's an excellent question, and it confused all of us. X day is the day that his extradition case, his appeal, uh-huh. will be heard. So it I mean, be, be really in clear England. about it. X day in a, Brit- the- in a British court. In a British court. Okay. Now Assange's defense in um, association with DEA, don't extradite Assange in Europe, will be hosting on X day a 48-hour webinar, which will be a combination of uh, prominent talking heads. And artists, comedians, musicians, actors, people from across the spectrum, who for the next 48 hours will be reaching out to the public to tell them why this case is of such epic uh, importance to us all. Because if he is, at the risk of repeating myself, if he is convicted, that spells the end, not only of freedom of the press in the United States, but investigative journalism, we know it, here and around the globe. And so uh, what we're asking everyone to do, and I ask everyone to do here, call your congressmen, call your senators. When you're telling them to call for a ceasefire in Gaza, which you should do, and we'll talk about in the next hour, you should also ask them to sign. There is a letter by Jim McGovern, a rather conservative Democrat, who's a good friend of Stephen Donziger, a very good friend of the show, and uh, uh, Thomas Massey a Republican, they've put together a bipartisan letter calling for the extradition to be dropped. And so we're asking people, phone all your congressmen. And although it's not in the Senate, call your senators as well and tell them that they should sign on this letter or that they should have a uh, a letter of their own for the Senate drawn up to call for this extradition to be halted once and forever to protect our First Amendment. I'd John, like to point are, out- are, are, the, are the Australians, Asking that he be sent to Australia, he's being sent home, being freed and united with his family. Yes, they are. Okay. Now the details of that in the beginning, I believe it was to serve the rest of his sentence, whatever that might be. He might. Uh, they they uh, brought up the proposition that well maybe they might encourage him to plead to a lesser offense, but you run into the problem. What would he plead to? Being a good journalist? Because he's broken. No laws other than the Byzantine 1917 Espionage Act. And so uh, uh, we believe that a moment has occurred, this situation with the Australian Prime Minister culminating on the 25th with the state dinner is we want to have a full stop, everyone to call their elected officials every single day and tell them they should drop this extradition, each one of our elected officials. Sworn oath when they took office, not to defend the president, not to defend the country, but to defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies, both foreign and domestic. And the unfortunate thing, the biggest enemy to the First Amendment right now is the Biden administration. Why they're continuing with the Trump uh, assault on freedom of the press is beyond me, but they are. And so it is incumbent upon all of us to let our elected officials know that if they want our votes coming up in November, they better drop the extradition because that is what their job is, to protect our right to dissent, to to protect our right to have information shared freely with the populace. And that is what Julian is being charged with, sharing documents. And again, I had a conversation with John Kiriakou about nine months ago, and he pointed out to me something that's abundantly clear once he said it. Those documents that were released They belong to the people, particularly when those documents are used to hide crimes, misdemeanor and malfeasance by our elected officials, by our military officials. And that is the case with everything that Julian released. And I might add at this point, WikiLeaks in its entire lifespan never had to issue a retraction because everything they printed is incredibly well vetted and redacted for safety of the individuals mentioned in there. So uh, we have the Albanese visit, we have X-Day, which we believe may be December 23rd. And we're asking people, we have 150 banner droppers across the country that are dropping their, journalism is not a crime banners everywhere. If you see one, join them. If you need a banner, reach out to me and I'll see if I can get you one. They're terrific. They're four by 20 foot banners that say, journalism is not a crime. That is a direct quote from President Biden. And it says, free Assange. And uh, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. All right,
0: great. Uh, Ruth Strauss and then uh, Myla, Myla Riesen. Also, John Steiner made a request in the chat. If any. if you'll look at the chat, there's some requests for documents and, and links and stuff.
1: I'll get all that stuff to him. And, and okay, Harvey, great. once again, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's really terrific.
0: Well, God, let's let's do it. Ruth Strauss and then Myla. Vinny.
2: Uh, what did you all give Thomas Massey to smoke to get him to support this? Well, this is well, a guy I, I, who I, had the AK-47 Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the
1: funny thing is, all praise to Stephen Donziger. Harvey and I okay. were at a fundraiser a couple of weeks ago in Topanga Canyon. And I, you know, I met Stephen through the show and he and I had a long conversation. I asked him. Because Jim McGovern had reached out to him uh, when he was uh, uh, in jail, and uh, he, and Jim McGovern spoke out very forcefully for him. So I asked Stephen, "Would you please ask him to speak out for Julian for the same reason he did?" And he asked him also to reach out to a member on the other side of the aisle. I think this has to do with the collegiality between Jim McGovern and uh, and uh, Stephen Donziger. But I will tell you this: Look. This is not a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Green issue. This is an issue of democracy, and I believe that there are plenty of people in the uh, Republican Party who see this for the threat to our freedom of uh, freedom of the press that it is. So I don't know what he gave him, but I, I wish you'd pass it around to just about everybody else. Thank you, Amara. Amara yeah,
3: reason? thank you. I, I just want to make it easy for people to call their senators. Um, if you have a pencil please jot this down Uh, area code 202-224-3121 that's 202-224-3131 is the capital switchboard and if you call there uh, they will connect you with your senator and Vinny what do they say to their senator when they call
1: Well, you know what, Um, we will have in the Assange defense, we actually have a press release that's going out, which I will share with everybody here. Once it goes later on today, which has all that it is a prearranged script that you can say. Obviously, if you speak from the heart, it is always better. But to make it easy for emails and calls to both senators and congressmen, we should have that here within the next hour.
3: Great. Thank you. Oh,
1: good. Okay. Um, uh, now, why did you say it was focused on the House and not the Senate? Well, because the letter is coming from two congressmen, and so it's a I, congressional letter. But we're going to oh, encourage someone on the uh, on the senatorial side to do the same thing.
0: Milo, you were going to speak.
3: No, I I just I was confused, and I'm glad you clarified that it's more important to call the Congress, uh, but okay. both probably.
0: Why not? Penny, I'm just curious. Have you, as the um,
1: Assange campaign
0: ever linked up with the Leonard Peltier campaign? Have well, you? I do
1: because I—I I mean, I do personally, yes. But we haven't really hooked up with them other than to stand in solidarity with them. But I have dear friends of mine that I worked with in Amnesty International who've been part and parcel of it for for a long time. But we see them as joined at the hip, and the same way we were joined at the hip with Stephen Donziger because it is a miscarriage of justice, along with Mumia Abu Jamal. Okay. Um, Ruth, is this a new hand or is that a legacy hand? Ruth, did you want to
0: say something further? Did anybody else want to jump in? We have 63 people with us. We are live streamed and we're recording. This will be uh, uh, on the uh, P- Progressive Radio Network uh, Thursday night and will reside at our uh, grassroots EP website
1: for the rest of eternity. I'd like well, to give we- a shout out yeah. to Cat okay, and Dr. Nancy. Uh, that we're all in the losers club of the uh, KPFK board. Oh, yeah, we want to congratulate the people who ran for the KPFK board and lost. Also,
0: PFW, um, uh, but uh, we're going to come back. There will be another election soon. And I will say, as my uh, Myra knows, and we want you to be involved, that they are trying to sabotage the election. Yes. So we will deal with that. Okay, uh, the, Benny. Yes,
2: yeah, Ruth. Yeah. Uh, I'm a member of that club also, and I voted for Ben <laughs> Nancy. But um, anyway, that was a joke about Thomas Massey. The, the two
1: things I- <laughs> I figured that was the case.
2: Yeah. Was um, this 48-hour webinar, is that something that we can join? And if so, please put the information in the chat or announce it now.
1: I can't announce it now because I'm not sure, because we are in the formulative stages of setting it up.
2: But again, okay, the fine. good news is okay, that it won't okay. be until
1: okay. December. I'm, but it's, I'm on
2: the Assange list, and I just got a notice from Stella today about X Day. But one thing is, I have a lot of Assange gear, T shirts, sweatshirts, et cetera, but they don't have an American store anymore. It seems like it's only in Britain.
1: So I, the reason I'm for that, they don't even do
2: have,
1: that. Ruth, the reason they don't have that is the site was hacked. Matter of oh. fact, uh, the WikiLeaks page. Uh, could no longer ship shirts or anything because a nefarious actor shut it down. It's been shut down for a while. We're trying to rebuild it again. But with everything that's going on, it's unfortunately t-shirts and bumper stickers and tchotchkes is low order of, uh, 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 of importance right now. Although the person that printed up my uh, the banners that we have, the banners for the banner drops, my brother-in-law no brother-in-law jokes. I, this guy walks on water as far as I'm concerned. And he has been engaged once we have the opportunity, the time and the wherewithal to re-engage. And we'll do our shirts and the rest of that stuff so people can buy them and proudly wear them wherever they go. Well, put me
0: down for a two X and um, um, uh, Wendy, and then we're going to move to Diablo Canyon. We got Linda Seeley with us. Uh, Wendy Liederman, go ahead.
4: Thank you. Um, I just kind of want to uh, bring things like sometimes you have to go back to basics just to remember exactly like why we're in, in a fight. Um, you know, Assange has I think he spent what four days in the United States in his entire cool. life. Yeah, less than a week. And he's being charged with treason um for n- nothing he has alliance to other than the truth. Um, I encourage everybody to watch the log tapes. I will never forget the first time I saw them where like Innocent journalists and people were being mowed down like it was a game by some people hitting a button, you know, like with I guess in, like just insane um, brutality by our um, military. Um, One hundred and seventy-five years for for publishing war crimes, which is what we'll be discussing later, which continued to happen in the world. So it's even more important now to bring these things to light to hold power accountable so just mass genocides don't continue to happen if we had listened to him in the first place how many lives would have been saved yet people are still some reason brainwashed that he put people's lives at risk that you know like there's just still a lot of propaganda around what Julian did and it's just really important to understand like the true facts that he exposed and at 175 years for publishing things. And then the, the publications like New York Times, Washington Post, everybody that re-shared what he shared, none of them are, are have any charges against them. The source of the information, um, Chelsea Manning had her sentence commuted. So it's just really absurd and insane. And we really need to hold war crimes accountable is what it comes down to. And 175 years, 17, four years in solitary confinement, 13 years um, in captivity as I call it is just it's just I mean a, the worst blemish I could possibly think of as Americans and we need to stand up for him thank you so much Wendy, for all that you do
1: thank you thank Wendy. you Wendy right back at you as
0: well okay any last word before we go to Diablo Canyon Free Assange Free Assange okay thank you so much thank you for everybody for that we have 66 people with us and uh, we want to go now with Linda Sealy in um, uh, Morro Bay um Uh, There is a a front page article in the New York Times today with uh, Gavin Newsom running for president, basically, uh, talks about Diablo Canyon, and it refers, and God, and I couldn't get in, they didn't have a letter section, it refers to to nuclear power as carbon free, as if that's part of the name nuclear power. And, you know, they never refer to solar energy as carbon free, but, and there, it's talking about Diablo, it falsely claims that Diablo gives, us, gives the state 9% of its electricity. I mean, it's just uh, uh, infuriating. Uh, can you update us now on the situation at the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant in Central California? I was, by the way, on Ralph Nader's uh, show um, over the weekend. And he asked me, um, why should anybody outside of California be concerned about Diablo Canyon? And I told him, as we all know, that if you were to design uh, a spot for where a nuclear power plant could do the maximum damage to the continental United States, it would be exactly and precisely where Diablo Canyon is. If God forbid that plant goes off, uh, all of the continental United States will be uh, radioactive. I mean, there's just no, it's just right there, smack in the center of the California coast with prevailing winds from west to east, um, uh you know, it would just carpet the country, just like Chernobyl carpeted Europe. So, Linda, can you update us, please, on what the latest is with the Diablo Canyon nuclear
5: plant? Sure. Thanks so much, Harvey. I heard you on uh, Ralph Nader's show. You were great. Um, thanks for doing Thank that. Yeah. Um, I. There is so much to say about what's going on at Diablo Canyon. I guess I want to start... With reminding everybody here, and I don't know how many of you already know this, that the reactor vessel of the unit one reactor is very embrittled, meaning that if they had to shut it down quickly in an emergency and use cold water, which is what they use to shut nuclear plants down, that the thing has a very high chance of shattering like a glass. Okay, if that happened, this is what Harvey was talking about, it would be a catastrophe for our country, for all of uh, every living thing in in the world. So uh, I am with a group called Mothers for Peace, mothersforpeace.org. Um, and we have, we have been working for the past 50 years, believe it or not, uh, to try to shut down Diablo Canyon since before it was ever built. Um our luck is our lucky day is coming, okay? <laughs> We've been waiting a long time. Yeah, that's a joke. Um we have currently have three, um uh, litigations in process, two of them, uh well, one of them is with the California Public Utilities Commission in order to keep Diablo Canyon running for another five years, which our would-be president, Gavin Newsom, um, ordered the uh, state legislature to vote for a year ago, a little over a year ago, they, there are certain um, conditions that have to be met. One of the important conditions is that the California Energy Commission was charged with doing a straightforward analysis of how much um, renewable energy we have on hand and uh, can that replace the the unrenewable or toxic energy from Diablo Canyon? And um, the California Energy Commission failed to do that. They were the the report that they were supposed to uh, provide us was due on September 30th, and they provided a preliminary report that was absolutely. Uh, embarrassing if you want to read it. And you can go to the California Energy Commission website or to the Mothers for Peace website and find that there. Um, They didn't do an analysis about whether or not we need Diablo Canyon. And we know through our own experts that we don't need Diablo Canyon. In fact, it's an impediment to uh, achieving a carbon-free future. So we've got that. We also have challenged... uh, Uh, PG&E, when they decided to renew their license, um, is going to submit a license application for the renewal of the 40-year-old nuclear power plant that's built on at least 13 earthquake faults and um, storing over 6.5 million pounds of highly radioactive nuclear waste And they are submitting that application for an extended 20 years of operation to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, only 10 months before the expiration date of the Unit 1 license. There is a rule at the um, NRC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, that says if you want to continue operation of a nuclear power plant beyond its license term, you have to submit an application within 5 years before the expiration of your license but they gave an exemption to that the nrc gave an exemption for that so mothers for peace has challenged that and we're in the ninth circuit court of appeals on that and we'll be going to court on that in the first week of january <clears throat>
6: um
5: we are um also meeting with um are elected representatives because they could stop this. And if they have guts, they will stop it. So what you can do in this, uh, the people who are here in this um, terrific meeting that Harvey, Harvey has every week, you can call your local representative, your state senator and your state assembly person, and say, look, we don't need Diablo Canyon, it's take it, they, by the way, they got two and a half billion dollars to prop it up. Um, 1.4 billion of that from you and me, from the taxpayers and ratepayers in California, and the other 1.1 billion dollars from you and me, the taxpayers of the United States. So, and with that, just think what we could do. If we had two and a half billion dollars in a bucket, Think of how many uh, solar installations we could put on rooftops in California, including every parking lot, every school, every shopping center uh, covering the, the um, uh, what's it called, the canals. What are those called, Harvey? The aqueduct. aqueducts, right. Um, All that, we could do it. And then they could give each person um, a battery backup for their house. That uh, those things are good for four hours, and the thing is that we only get into an energy, um, like, tension point, like about two or three hours out of every year, where our where our grid is strained, where you know it's possible that there could be a blackout. If everybody had a solar uh, roof and a battery backup for the house, it, it would be. There would be no possibility that that could ever happen, and so instead of doing that, they choose to create more nuclear waste on an earthquake-prone coastline um, with nowhere to put the nuclear waste and no plan in sight for the into eternity. So, Mothers for Peace, and then we also the other part of it is that this these nuclear power plants are there. They're only there because we, the our government, our military, needs that plutonium for, that's produced at nuclear power plants. They need that to make our bombs and to revamp our whole new um, nuclear weapons, arsenal. And so it those two things, the nuclear weapons and the nuclear power are inextricably connected to each other. And one way to stop that is to stop these nuclear plants. And we can do, and the other one thing I want to say is that Diablo Canyon, you think, why does everybody care about Diablo Canyon? It's one lousy little nuclear power plant. There's a whole bunch of them. Because it's symbolic. Because to the pro-nuclear forces, there, there were more people arrested at Diablo Canyon over the years in trying to keep it from going online than there were in any other kind of civil disobedience in the history of this country. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal to us, but it's also a big deal to the pro-nuclear people. And they think if they can keep that running, it'll send a loud and clear message to those of us who don't want nuclear power. Sorry, well, I want on. to
0: point out that uh, Linda and I were among the 10,000 people arrested at Diablo Canyon. Uh, I spent three nights in the San Luis Obispo County Jail, which I Highly recommend. I tell people if you're driving from LA to San Francisco and you run out of money and need a place to stay, just go get arrested at the Nuke and they'll put you up for a few nights in the jail. It's really it's a nice nice place. Uh, but peanut butter but and Ellie. We want <laughs> we want to emphasize that this is a critical moment in Diablo Canyon uh, fight because they are shut. Unit one is shut for refueling right now. All reactors have to shut every year. And, Half or so, it takes about 50 days to refuel. And uh, we do have precedent in at Yankee Row in Western Massachusetts in 1971 or two. Uh, they they shut for refueling. Um, uh, well, actually, they got hit by lightning. But they were also shut. And um, uh, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission demanded that they test for embrittlement, which is a key issue. They couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. And uh, Yankee Row never reopened. So we have the same lawyer uh, from back then. Diane Curran was the lawyer then. She's the lawyer now. Anybody who can do anything, go to mothersforpeace.org, mothersforpeace.org, and um, send in donations and whatever else you can do. We really appreciate it. Connie, I know if you got your hand up. I, I do want to very quickly. Well, go ahead, Connie. And then we're going to go to Kathy Wolf. So Kathy, be ready to tell us, please, about uh, Maine. Connie Klein in, in Cleveland, did you want to say something to us?
7: Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, hi, Linda. I, I'm always so impressed when you're able to summarize 50 years of fighting this. Um, as you may or may not know, Perry also, uh, the Perry Nuclear Power Plant also got an exemption to the five year. Um, NRC rule to uh, apply uh, for license renewal. I just, I have two quick questions. Well, we're in the process now of trying to fight um, that 20-year extension.
0: Well, we uh, used to connect with uh, Diane and Diane Curran and, and, um, and Linda. I want to point out before we miss <laughs> it, uh, unlike the Apple Canyon, which technically has not been hit by an earthquake even though it's surrounded by earthquake faults the Nuclear plant on lake erie in ohio has been hit twice by
7: many more times than twice the the biggest one was was five on the richter scale but i I do have two hopefully quick questions for linda um i i really would love to talk to you on the phone but um
0: I will connect you. Uh, go ahead.
7: Yeah. Okay. Or, or by email would be fine too. Right now I'm. Okay, super- but go ahead. Go ahead. Connie. Um, two questions. Um, the money, the two point five billion. I don't know if you know this. Was Was it from the Inflation Reduction Act, from the that by- yeah. and Infrastructure Act, or both? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: One point 1. one from the Feds and one point four from the state.
7: Okay. Um. And uh how far in the process or has the process started um for applying for the 20-year extension?
5: Are they rolling that into the hmm. with,
7: with the five-year?
5: Yeah, oh the 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 state legislature is the one that created the five-year one, they didn't even know about licensing and all that they just said oh well let's keep it going for five more years without uh considering the fact that it's a nuclear power plant that has to have an actual license you know and so right now they have not applied for the relicensing that application is due on december 31st and they will have it done and but they're applying for a 20-year license renewal and just as easily as the state legislature let, you know, uh, gave a five-year oh, yeah. extension, yeah. they okay. would easily go ahead and give 20.
0: Connie, you and Linda need to talk directly Absolutely. and be in, yeah. in, in connection with Diane Curran. This is one of the things we do on these calls. This is a very important connection. Linda and Connie, are both great activists. I've had the pleasure working with both of you, uh, one in Ohio. And Linda, by the way, uh, Connie, is from Peninsula. So uh, oh, please hi. Yeah, everybody in California is actually from Ohio, so you need to know that. Okay, uh, as is uh, Dr. Well, Doctor Nancy here is from Michigan, so uh, there we go. So please be in touch, the two of you. Uh, we, I got to move this along. I do want to introduce Connie, uh, 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 Kathy Wolf. Kathy, are you there? Kathy and I also go way back in, in New Hampshire. Uh, Kathy now lives in Maine. Kathy, there's a bill on the, um, well, tell us about this. Pine Tree Alliance, and what's going on. And then I want to ask a question of Ron Leonard. But go ahead, Kathy. What's going on in Maine? You need to unmute or I need to unmute you. There
6: we go. Uh, Where'd you go?
8: Um, Yeah. You're putting me on the spot, Sluggo. I'm not totally on top of of the whole issue. I sort of watched it from afar. I haven't been involved in it. But basically, it's a referendum question coming up this November that says, do we want... Uh, to have a public statewide electric utility instead of two companies owning uh, the distribution of electricity privately, Central Maine Power and Versailles, both of which are owned by, uh, one by a company in Spain, C&P, uh called Iberdrola, and the other, Versailles, is owned by a company in Calgary, Canada.
0: Um, oh let's get, wait a minute. You see, the two utilities in Maine, are owned by companies in spain and canada
8: yeah and they're not (laughs) generators um uh, they're uh they're mainly power lines but so the real question is is whether uh the generation the um, distribution of electricity should be controlled by a public entity or by a large large corporations which are making profit lots of profit maine has some of the highest, if not the highest, electric rates in the nation. Pine Tree claims they can bring that down, but they've got to buy out CMP and Versant to do it. And therefore, there's been a lot of, well, how are they going to do that? And isn't that actually going to cost us more? The governor sides with against the referendum question. And everybody loves Janet Mills, but she's been wrong on indigenous rights too, as well as um, this one. They, um, the, the, Companies, though, ex- these are the kind of flyers that are coming in our mail uh, against the referendum question constantly, one or two a week. They have spent, um, they have at least about $11 million invested compared to something like less than half a million by the uh, grassroots group. And it, it is a
0: referendum, is that right?
8: It's a referendum question. I think it's. I don't think it's sixty percent. I think it's a fifty percent referendum. Um, It probably is not going to pass. But I sort of see it as like a first step. And what I would love to see personally is a push for local utilities, public utilities. Okay. Small town. Well, this would be a big
0: deal. I I hope you're wrong. I hope it does pass. For God's sakes. Yeah. Um, um, I'm on. I'm.
8: Is there anyone else here? Of you, sixty whatever people who could be more explanatory on this than me,
0: (laughs) because... No, you did fine. We've talked about it before. Um, So uh, we have, and also about referenda, which is a big deal, but we do have uh, great organizers that uh, we could connect the the group there with. So there you go, Justin LeBlanc. Uh, Someone asked me, what is the the name of the plant in Ohio that's been hit by earthquakes? It's PERRY, P-E-R-R-Y, It's about 35 miles east of Cleveland, right on the lake. And it did get hit um, in the 1986, or or was it seven? I think it was 86, exactly within three days of the time that the the Challenger blew up. Um, It was, out. you know, I I debated somebody from the utility uh, near Perry. I think it was in Madison. uh, The night that the, the Challenger blew up, and then within hours... Perry was hit by an earthquake. It was outrageous. Anyway, Justin and then um, uh, Rick Monica, please. And Maya has joined us. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Justin and Rick, go ahead.
9: So this was mentioned on a previous call that the uh, Rancho Seco plant in Sacramento was successfully shut down by a public referendum. Yeah, that was
0: June of-, June of 1989.
9: Yes, and that was because it was a publicly owned plant. Right. There are companies... I should say uh, public agencies that have uh, used their rights to buy out plants to make them public. And the methodology usually is through an uh, entity called a community choice aggregator, uh, but you can also form a municipal utility through a franchise agreement with your city as well. Uh, and uh, so on a related note, uh, there are some laws going uh, up for a referendum uh, on the money question that uh, Kathy just raised uh, of the millions on one side versus the hundreds of thousands on the other side. And that is a question two, which is about restricting multinational companies from being able to spend money on elections, uh, specifically those who have more than 5% group ownership or 1% individual ownership would be banned from participation. Now that includes 98% of S&P companies. And so uh, it would put the voice back in uh, the realm of the people, not so much of the corporations. Uh, A third uh, is worth mentioning here is uh, that as far as uh, trying to advocate for citizen power, uh, there are entities, grassroots, that are going out to do that. One of them I found out about uh, this past, or during summertime this year was uh, Netroots Nation has a segment that is specifically on public power agencies as the future of uh, the Green New Deal.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that, Justin. Very uh, apropos and on target. Um, it's Iberdrola, by the way, Kathy. That's the name of the Spanish utility. Iberdrola. They actually uh, own very big wind farms and do solar as well, but, uh, um, you know, this is ridiculous here. Um, Rick Monica, and then I want to ask a question of uh, uh, Ron Leonard, and then Maya, Maya von Rossum is with us. Go ahead, Rick. Rick, you uh, go. I grew up pretty close, like 50 miles from Erie, and my guess is 25 miles from Cleveland. It's getting damn close to Erie. I don't know which side of the state border that is. The Perry Nuclear plant is in between uh, Cleveland and, and yeah. Erie. But and uh, pretty it's much th- halfway. Oh, okay. It's still and in, it could, it's still uh, in it Ohio. Could, it's still in Ohio, yes. Um, unless the earthquake moves it uh, to New York or Pennsylvania. Uh, and it could wipe out the entire Great Lakes. Uh, very easy. It's a very big nuclear plant. And it's been there since the 80s it's about the same ta- same age as the apple canyon perry it's a single reactor when the um, earthquake hit perry in 1986 the governor of ohio dick celeste who was a good liberal took them took this is how bad the law is on nuclear power he took the perry nuclear plant to court it had not yet been open thank god and he asked the owner of the perry nuclear plant um to please delay um, opening until they could check to see the impact that the earthquake would have on evacuation because all nuclear plants are required to have a workable evacuation plan. And the, the, the utility told Dick Celeste to take a hike and he went to the to the federal federal court in, in Cincinnati and the federal court in Cincinnati said they could open without a study. Of the impact of the earthquake on evacuation, so the state proceeded to do the study anyway, even though the reactor ignored them, and the study came back, surprise, surprise, and said, "There's no way in hell that you can um, evacuate uh, the perinuclear Plant or the environs with, um, with in an earthquake," and they still opened, and and that that was it. Uh, thank you for that question. I want to ask Ron Leonard, who looks like he's getting some sun. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Linda raised the question of how many solar arrays could be bought if we took the two and a half billion that Newsom is putting into uh Diablo. How much solar will two and a half billion dollars buy, Ron
10: Leonard? Well, you could easily instantly double the amount of solar roofs in California in one fell swoop, which would be from 1.5 million solar roofs to 3 million solar roofs. The 1.5 million solar roofs probably produce more than, I'd say, 13% as a round number of California's power comes from rooftop solar systems. And that rooftop solar systems saved the actual grid four times so far as, as I count it.
0: It's unbelievable.
10: And and, and more, by the way, just for
0: the record, more electricity is supplied to the state of California by rooftop solar than by Diablo by a long shot. And there are 1,500 people working at Diablo and 70,000 working in solar in California. There are more people working in solar in California than there are digging coal in the whole United States. And yet this governor... Uh, Don't get me, I have to keep my language. Uh, We want to go to Lynn and then to Maya Rossum, who's an invited guest. So, Lynn Fireman and then Maya Rossum, Maya Von Rossum, please. Lynn, you got your hand. Uh, Unmute. We have 66 people with us. Okay. Um, Yeah,
11: sorry. Um, I haven't been able to reach Linda Seeley by. Um, the chat and I don't have her email Linda I spent a morning trying to um, locate people at Cal Poly SLO to start a student anti-nuke movement again and came up with a great big wall and so I just want you to email me I'll put my email in the chat for you because I'd like to know if anybody in the Abalone Alliance might you know have bold contacts that might be um good for
5: now thanks you know okay then, thank you
6: um,
5: i've been trying to re- reply to your message lynn oh um all right. but, um let me put uh, and it says you're not on the on the uh call so uh, Well, here
0: I'll, I'll connect you uh, connect. i'll go ahead i have both your emails so after okay. the uh after thank the talk I'll, I'll connect to both of you okay you. all right thank you uh uh, moving on, Kathy, it's great to see you again. Kathy and I uh, did the media um, uh, for the Clamshell Alliance uh, back in the previous century. Um, but Kathy at the big one <laughs> went and got arrested. And I, I, the other three, we had a four person committee and three of them got arrested. And I was sitting in a farmhouse talking to all the media in the world. <laughs> I really missed you then, Kathy, believe me. Okay, <laughs> I still do. Um, okay, with my von Rossum now. Uh, we have 11 minutes Maya and uh you are the godmother of the uh, green uh, amendments movement and we we need your wisdom on how to use the Green Amendment tool to fight these nuclear plants so go ahead and to promote solar so go yeah. ahead
6: please
12: so um thank you very very much for that and I'm really happy to be back um and and was gra- glad for the opportunity to talk about how a green amendment that is a constitutional amendment added to the Bill of Rights section of your state constitution that will recognize and protect the right of all the people of the state to things like pure water, clean air, stable climate, and healthy environment, and make those environmental rights enforceable um, when government takes action that overreaches and infringes on those rights in the same way that they might overreach and infringe on another fundamental right, like the right to free speech or freedom of religion. When government behaves inappropriately, people can turn to the constitution to protect that right. Well, when you have a green amendment, you get that same kind of protection for the environment. Um, and so what I explain to people is when they think, well, well, how am I gonna use this? How is this gonna help? Well, in the nuclear context, Immediately, the thing that comes to my mind, and by the way, I was just today working on another, you know, of my own anti-nuke issues because my Delaware River that I work for as well has been designated a hydrogen hub. And that hydrogen hub is going to be fueled primarily by fracked gas, nuclear, or wind, which is a misappropriation of wind and nuclear, of course, is problems. But so on the nuclear front, right? Nuclear power plants generally need permits from their state agencies. At the very least, they need a permit pursuant to the Clean Water Act. They might need what we call a NPDES permit. That's a pollution discharge permit. They also need a permit that has to do with a section of the Clean Water Act called 316. It's section 316. There's an A and a B. And that has to do with pollution discharges and the B has to do with the cooling water intake structure where they're sucking in all of that water to cool down their new plant and different facilities operate in different ways. But the long and the short of it is to do that pollution or use those massive volumes of water for their nuclear plant, they need state government permission From most states, unless your state doesn't have a Clean Water Act permitting program, which, and it's, it's, it's left with the EPA, but I don't think there are any states um, on that front, there might be a few that I'm unaware of, but if the state issues a permit that allows so much harm to the environment pursuant to that nuclear plant that you can make an argument it would violate whatever the constitutional green amendment that got added to your constitution. Well, then maybe you have a legal challenge or you can use your green amendment to really up the ante in terms of the environmental reviews um, that have to be done and protections that have to be put in place in order to ensure the government is doing its full job to protect your environmental rights. On the clean energy front, if there's a bad clean energy project, perhaps they wanna put, um, a, 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 they wanna cut down a forest to build a solar array along a river. Well, then your green amendment might be able to be used to say, hey, that is the wrong place for this clean energy project. So that's not really a good project. And you might be able to use your green amendment to redirect that project to, to a good project, yeah. or you might have a good clean energy project that's that, that you want to advance. And you can say, look, the government has a duty to protect my right to a safe climate, my right to healthy environments, in order to fulfill that obligation, you need to do more rooftop solar. You need to do more of this kind of progressive clean energy.
0: So Maya, you're obviously a great campaigner. And uh, in the short term, it would be really good, I think, if you could connect with the people in Maine, uh, the Pine Tree Alliance, to apply your incredible organizing skills to this referendum. And also, of course, there are tremendous um, conflicts in California over the permits at Diablo Canyon, which the state is just violating left and right, I mean it's so The Maine Pine
12: Tree Amendment is part of my Green Amendment movement, um and I was there at the founding. So is that what you're saying, connecting? Yeah, up? yeah. If
0: you're involved, I'm already great.
12: I'm already a part of that effort. Well, Kathy
0: Wolf uh, seems to think it's an uphill climb. What do you think? We have a chance to
12: win in Maine? I think we absolutely have a chance to win in Maine. Look, a constitutional amendment is a higher hurdle than just any old law. Yes, it's a higher hurdle, it's harder to get, but that's one of the values. Once can you secure they, it, you're not gonna lose it.
0: Can they win in Maine with a simple majority or does it take more than 50%?
12: Um, I have to go back. I think the Maine process is, is a higher majority. I can look at it while we're going. Actually at on um, maineforthegeneration.org, that's our, our, our website for the Maine Amendment. We'll have that process up there while you're talking, I can go look it up, but I believe it might be um, a two thirds vote that's required if you're gonna do it once. But again, it's really worth fighting for because you pass a good law, right, for the environment, fundamentally at its core, that law is going to be about, it's going to be about legalizing pollution. And even if you get a good law passed this year, politically, it can be removed next year. If you get a constitutional right to a clean, safe and healthy environment, it will apply to every environmental issue of import in that state, number one, right? So it's all of us are benefiting who are no matter what environmental issue we're fighting. But number two, once you get it, if the political winds change in your state, the legislators can't just turn around and use the legislative process to strip away those fundamental okay. environmental rights. They would have to meet that same high hurdle again. And once people have a right to clean water and clean air, they're not, they're not giving it back.
0: Okay, Amayla Reason, did you wanna say something, Myra
3: I do, um, here in California, as in many other states, as you said, the the state uh, administers the federal Clean Water Act, and the Diablo Canyon Nuclear Power Plant has been operating out of compliance with that act ever since because the, they discharge superheated water into into the ocean, and it decimates the marine environment. So um, my question is, if we were to pass a, um, a an amendment here in California, and, and I uh, what how how would that work?
12: Yeah. So so first off, I want you to know I have gotten outreach recently from folks in California, a youth group, as well as another advocacy group that that are both interested in advancing a California Green Amendment. So I'm linking them together and working with them. And maybe something will be coming forth in California in the in the coming year. But if you have a if you ha- if you have a pre-existing facility, um. One way a Green Amendment can come into play is every time that facility, right, those those permits have to be renewed, right? And so after the Green Amendment is passed, when that permit renewal process is going on, you may then be able, right, you'll be able to bring it into play there, either to advance something good or potentially to address something bad. One of the ways, I can't tell you exactly how it's going to play out all you know, in every circumstance, but I can tell you in Pennsylvania, where we have a green amendment, there was a, a toxic site where there was an existing law that required the state to mandate cleanup of that site by responsible parties. And it didn't do so for three decades. We, we brought a legal action using the green amendment. And during the course of that litigation, The state was convinced suddenly to do to do a turnabout and they started to enforce the law and now there's a remediation plan in New York State, where they just passed the Green Amendment there there's an industrial facility that has been operating out of compliance. I, I forget. The, I, I think it's like hazardous air emissions. They've been violating the law for years and the state has actually tried to enforce the law against them. But, you know, with slap on the wrist remedies. And so the violations have persisted year after year after year. Now that they have a Green Amendment, those communities Ha, are actually using the amendment to bring a case against the state to say your failure to enforce the law effectively against Norlight is a violation of our constitutional environmental rights. So where you're talking about this new facility with this ongoing serious violation of law where the state has failed to take action, those are sort of two parallel cases one that has, you know, achieved success. Um, the other that has just been filed. But where I can, I can imagine something parallel happening um, if California got a green amendment.
3: Well, what, what California has been doing is issuing waivers so that they don't have
12: to comply. And so that would be the that would be the argument, right? You would be taught, demonstrating the decimation to the environment, right, the very serious issue that's happening to the environment. And you would point to whatever is the constitutional language that got passed and say that failure to enforce the existing law through that waiver mechanism, or just you're allowing this facility to, to operate in general in a way with such devastating consequences. You know, we believe that that rises to the level of violating our right to a healthy environment, to healthy ecosystems, right? The language in, in every amendment is different, but you know, one should be mindful of what you're talking about when um, in, in the crafting of that language. And I actually know what the, the, the California proposal is likely to look like, and I do believe that ecosystem language is in there.
0: Well, one thing that we run up against, of course, with the nuclear plants is the Atomic Energy Act. And many of the courts will rule uh, even on the most basic stuff that it's preempted by the federal and feds and they send it over to the NRC, which always, you know, we refer to the NRC as nobody really cares or no real chance. And, um, and that, that's a big problem with the, uh, the Atomic Energy Act of 1954, essentially set up the nuclear industry as a country with its own laws uh, that we can't penetrate. So you know you may want to. It would be great to have you on the team at Diablo because uh, there are there are they are violating so many state laws. I mean the the, the California Environmental Quality Act, the CEQA, which was signed by Ronald Reagan um, in 1980, is a very powerful law, except when it comes to Diablo Canyon, and they walk all over it. It's ridiculous. I mean it's in a sense CEQA is, is almost the equivalent of a. A constitutional amendment so you may want to No wanna...
12: it's definitely not it okay. really it really is you're you're talking about state legislation that does require heightened review but it is that is very different than having a fundamental constitutional entitlement to a clean safe and healthy environment where the power is in the hands of the people so so well, I, I thought I thought anything wrong, it. but it's not going to be the same as having a constitutional um entitlement.
0: Well, I thought anybody anything signed by Ronald Reagan actually transcended all other uh, 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 earthly earthly qualifications. But now you you put in here on um, the amending the Maine Constitution, what is the uh, number that they need to reach of the electorate in Maine? Is it fifty percent? Is it sixty? Yeah.
12: So I I I pulled up the um the information sheet. So I will look at it. So there are a couple of pathways. So it it has to be um two thirds.
0: Oh, my God. Um, the referendum has to get two-thirds?
12: Third convo- concurrent vote.
8: Kathy,
0: so, shake your hand. Let's get this, uh, we'll get that cleared I just, up. Uh, I, in, don't, in, in I anyway. don't, I
8: don't, I think it is two-thirds for a constitutional amendment, but question three is not seeking a constitutional amendment. Yeah. Is my oh, understanding. Okay. Right. Question yeah. three is only seeking to establish a statewide uh, organization that would run the public utilities. So, yeah, that's
12: okay. radically different. And, you know, and, and again, the legislative path is, is a different pathway. The constitutional pathway is always harder. But in the end, it, it's up to the people to decide, right? It goes two thirds vote of each of the houses of the legislature goes before the people. But that means that in the final analysis, if anybody tried to strip it away, the people would have to agree to that. And they're just not going to.
0: Okay, so we are at three o'clock now, uh, Eastern uh, Pacific Time six. Maya, it's always great to have you on. Really interesting, Kathy. I hope you'll come back and join us because this is in November. It's coming soon. We need to reinforce this vote. I got to tell you, Kathy was absolutely – She was the only professional journalist journalist we had. She worked for the AP at the before she came into the Clamshell Alliance, and um, and as I can recall, did the only one that did not drop acid uh, on our uh, call during while we were doing all the radio interviews. So
6: anyway, <laughs> so keep slugger, with Slug on real, Mike real Kersh, quick. Yes, Mike,
13: go ahead, please,
0: Mike.
6: I just,
14: I
13: just wanted to mention that Progressive Democrats of America is championing what we're calling the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights. And one of the 10 principles is the, um, a safe and clean environment. So I would like to work with Maya and get her together with Alan Minsky of PDA to try to maybe incorporate this, these green amendments, as uh, by reference to the um, to the twenty first century economic bill of rights, and I'm going to drop a link to that in the chat now.
0: So Maya, Wendy, um, uh, Linda, Kathy, you're all together now. Glad to have you all linked up. Connie Klein, this is very important. I have found, by the way, that uh, in my sixty years of activism, that the anti-nuclear, the nuclear the anti nuclear movement. Is totally dominated by women, which is why it's so successful. And uh, (laughs) it's been my privilege. So all you guys get together, please. And um, um, OK, that was an incredible session. Thank you so much. It was a great hour. Uh, I, as a a co-founder of this session, feel like we are now about to Of this. Mike, your hand is still up. Did you want to say more, Mike
13: Hirsch? I'm just dropping the uh, the ten principles into the chat as well. Thank you
0: so much, and Bianca, I do want to mention that uh,
13: your in your comments
0: on the chat about fusion that you're uh, we, we need. I'm happy to contact you with and talk about fusion with you. So um, we're now going to jump off this cliff. Um, uh, over the past month or two, I've felt that as a highly political um, uh, 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 Zoom call that we've been ignoring the elephant in the room, and I've been struggling, as we all have, with a way to have a presentation that deals with the situation in in the Middle East. Uh, I guess out of denial, I've been calling it Israel-Pakistan. It's, in fact, Israel-Palestine. And uh, what we're going to do, and we've agreed on the ground rules, this is not going to be a debate or a discussion. Actually, it's going to allow people three minutes each. I know everybody really wants to vent. And so we will, if you sign up, I have three, uh, four people actually signed up so far, all men, by the way. So uh, I want to change that if possible, but um, uh, each of whom has particular expertise, everybody is invited to speak. If you'll put your name or raise your hand, we will call on you. You can blacken your screen. You can, we will keep the chat going uh, with Mike Hirsch uh, monitoring and Maya Amyla. Uh, unless it starts to get nasty, we will not have any personal uh back and forth um and we will certainly not have any uh racial jewish anti jewish anti muslim anything like that attacks uh, uh so we can see if we can pull this off <laughs> if we want to have the the very first civil discussion of the situation in American history or one of the first, I, I want to see if we can do this. So if you were cut off after three minutes, do not think that it's it's anything to do with you. That's the time frame. We can get about uh, 18 or 20 uh, presentations in. Uh, you'll speak your three minutes. You can put in what you want into the chat, as long as it's civil, and, and we can make sense of it. Okay? So um, uh, we are going to start with David Saltman. David, if you don't mind, David is a longtime friend of mine, and a real expert on the Middle East, having covered it for some of the major news organizations in the world. He and I have had major discussions. And again, your point of view is your point of view. Um, and um, uh, whatever you want to say, we have the four-letter word ban, and we want we want to keep this civil. Uh, but I know Dave has a deep academic background, in the, and he wants to talk about a treaty that none of us have ever heard of. So Dave, you got three minutes, I I, I lay it on your shoulders to start us off. Okay. Alyssa uh, also from the University of Michigan has a hand so we'll go to Alyssa next. uh, Hey Alyssa, long
14: time no see. (laughs) So, uh, first of all, I'd like a show of hands, and not the electronic hands. Just raise your hands, because I know this is a super intelligent group, highly educated, really aware, politically aware. I wanna know how many people in this group have heard of or know something about the Treaty of San Remo. <laughs> Raise your hand, please. I've seen zero hands. Anybody see a hand? Okay. So I Harvey has asked me to give a, a two minute or three minute uh, summary of the origin of the two state solution and the reason, I don't know why we've never heard of the, the Treaty of San Remo, but I can assure you that you're in, millions of, uh, are in the same boat as you, including some very well-known historians uh, who completely ignore this treaty. So the Treaty of San Remo was, uh, and everyone's going to their phone, I can see what the hell is that damn treaty. Uh, <laughs> the Treaty of San Remo Took place in in 1920, and it was part of the overall peace negotiations ending World War One. We're not talking about the 1948 stuff. We're talking about long before this, and the uh, the of course the the signatories of this treaty were the winners of the war against Turkey. This was the, this was the particular. Part uh, that eventually became part of the Treaty of Sèvres and the Treaty of Versailles, uh, ending the war with Germany and the Turkish Empire. And it specifically referred to what should happen to uh, the, uh, the uh, Arab countries. And it's, it was the origin of the British mandate in Palestine. The very first use of the word Palestine Uh, for a a large territory since Roman times. So the Treaty of San Remo um, established the principle of a homeland for, for a national, this is the exact wording, a national homeland for the Jewish people that did not prejudice the rights of existing populations. And, this, the exact language of the famous Balfour Declaration, was actually incorporated into the Treaty of San Remo.
13: 30 and seconds.
14: How many? 30. 30 seconds, Dave. 30 seconds left? Yeah. Okay, so I'm here to tell you, this established the, the, uh, what became the State of Israel, and on the, the Arab state, known first as Transjordan, and then known as Jordan. The two-state solution was first proposed in 1920 and was passed unanimously by the League of Nations. It was passed unanimously uh, by the signatories. It has never been repudiated. It is still in force, and it was ratified unanimously by the U.S. Senate. Um. That is all. Thank you, David. If
0: you'll put the name of that in the in the chat, that'd be wonderful. Sure. Much appreciated. I'm going to try and go um, uh, alternate genders. Uh, Alyssa Matros, you had your hand. Then Vinny, uh, then Dorothy, then Dennis, then Wendy, and then, uh, and then uh, David, and then Lynn. So, Alyssa, please.
15: Um, thank you. And thank you, David, for that information. Um, like many people, Jews and non-Jews, Um, I've found these past two weeks just so painful, and I grieve for all the families in the Middle East. Um, My family all left Europe around 1900. They were chased out, and um, my great-grandfather at one point fetched up in Liverpool as a butcher, in the same country where Jews had not been allowed to live for 400 years. Um, My younger daughter had a physicist boyfriend who tried to explain Schrodinger's cat to me. And I think of that as how I'm feeling that inside this one box are all these emotions um, and that none of... uh, it's just not resolving and I just feel great pain. The other night, Thursday night, a young Asian Canadian pianist who's only 18 who had just won the Rubenstein Piano Competition opened a performance at Carnegie Hall and unannounced played Hatikva and I just burst out crying. I have not a deep Jewish learning background, but it's a culture that I'm very wound up in. And I worked for many years in Chinatown and never in San Francisco. Nobody was ever quite clear what I was. I mean, some people thought I was a gypsy. Um, Jews, are not, Jews are not. Jews are not widely understood as a people. And so the last thing I'll say- One minute. I was in Chicago over the weekend and I brought my two-year-old granddaughter to the cemetery um, on a Saturday. Being such a good Jew, I didn't realize it would be closed. And I wanted to show her her grandparent and great grandparents' graves. And so we stood at the edge of the cemetery and she was throwing stones to land on the gravestones. And there was something very full circle about that for me that culturally um, is how I feel Jewish. And I don't see um, a solution, and what David was talking about seemed, you know, possible. The New York Times and other papers are now saying this might be a solution, but it's it's just an endless pain and um, time. That's it. Thank, thank you, thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much,
0: Vinny. Um, then Dorothy, then Dennis, then uh, Wendy.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, David. Vinny, Vinny, you with us, bro? I am you, with you, but I didn't have my hand raised, my friend well you're you're next. You were on the line if if you don't want to be, I, uh, I was just looking at uh, while we were speaking here and listening to others of uh, the picture of bombed out Gaza. And I'm reminded of a quote that comes from uh, about the time that David was talking about. And it's a land for people without land with a land without people, and I believe that is what, uh, unfortunately, the state of Israel has created. When I looked at the devastation of Gaza, I see that the idea behind this is to clear Gaza out to create a greater Israel from the desert to the sea, and uh, uh, as depressing as that is, I would say that uh, I'm buoyed by a protest that I went to this Saturday in downtown Los Angeles. Getting people out to protest in downtown Los Angeles is iffy at best, but there were tens of thousands of people that filled the street from Pershing Square down to 10th Street, curb to curb.
6: What happened? Go ahead again. You got muted, Benny. Yeah. There you go.
1: There, uh, the fact that it was an incredibly peaceful protest of people simply calling for the simple rights. And I would add one other thing to that if you have not seen Roger's state, Roger Waters' statement of the situation in Gaza, and he calls for, and I agree with him, this a one state solution based on a simple predicate equality for all people. And if we work, for equality for all people, that may mean equality for Jews, equality for Arabs, equality for Christians, equality for Muslims, and a world with equality for all is not a, uh, a fantasy, it is something that could happen. Well, as my mother used to say, from your lips to God's ears, uh, I'll try.
0: <laughs> in, in, okay, thank you so much, Vinny. I, I really appreciate it. I hope I didn't impose on you. I thought you wanted to speak no. early. Um, uh, Dorothy Reich. Are you ready, Dorothy? And then Dennis Bernstein. Dorothy Reich? You're unmuted. And thank you, Mike Hurst, for keeping the time. I appreciate that. I was just
16: looking up the Nathan Thrall um, article, A Day in the Life of Shalom. I forget his last name, but I'll get that for you. And I sent out the Roger Waters piece this morning to my list. So if you're on my list, you'll get it. Uh, So I kind of had an epiphany years ago. I had a lot of Middle Eastern people working for me, young people in my office, Egyptian, Jewish, um, Persian. And they all spoke the same. They all had the same expressions. They ate the same food. They got along really well. And so it occurred to me that, as usual, the problems in Israel were caused when the Northern Europeans showed up and before that i think that the jews and the arabs lived in mostly peacefully together they they might have had their differences but I, I realized that this is all this is you know this is not the way it was and this is again caused by our northern european wars and sending people to israel to get them out of europe in 1948 uh, and what's what's happened to the Palestinians and if you talk to Israelis they will tell you there is no such thing as Palestine
3: oh, okay, cool.
16: I've had that told to me many many times there is no I'll such thing as Palestine it's a, up, it's a made up country there is no such thing and so therefore there's no such thing as Palestinians These are, they're just Arabs and the hate is, is unreal and I, I, I don't even know where to start how they thought That they could treat the Palestinians this way for so many years with their feet on their necks and not have something horrible happen, mowing the grass, bombing Gaza every three or four years for sport to test out new American weapons. It's just appalling. So, a one day rampage by some members of Hamas, and now look what we have the whole Gaza is leveled. I don't know, it's five or six hundred six thousand people are dead Can now. Two thousand children. They're about to to run out of power for the incubators for the for the newborn children who are all born underweight and in trouble because Can the Israelis, Israelis have been controlling the amount of food that gets into Gaza and keeping the calories. 30 count.
13: Seconds. Uh
16: so I, I don't know where to go from this. I have a lot of Israeli friends. We have Israeli clients that we work with, and I'm heartbroken for them, but, uh, and I'm heartbroken for the Palestinians who shouldn't have to have done this. They shouldn't need to do this. We need a one-state solution. Even Peter Beinart has come around to knowing that there has to be a one-state solution, everybody equal, everybody together, everybody loving each other. That's what we need, and this is um, not going to end.
0: Thank you, Dorothy. Very, very moving. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, Dennis, did you want to go now? Dennis Bernstein? Dennis Bernstein, can we unmute you?
1: Yes, we want
0: Okay, Dennis, we're good. Three minutes, please. Go ahead, Dennis. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We can't hear you, Dennis.
6: I've got... Let me unmute. There you go. You're good. You're good. Okay.
17: Thank you. And thank everybody so far who said those things, some truth about what's happening on the ground. I, this is a story that's one, by the way, in terms of the first, you know, I've seen Palestine lots. If you do research and you go back to the New York Times and you check their bylines from 1948, it's Palestine, not Israel. So that's where you can see the word Palestine at least once uh, in the context of geography. Um, but now it's Israel. I lost a very close friend in this struggle. Her name is Rachel Corey. I hope some of you have heard of Rachel Corey.
6: Um, I was speaking
17: on the phone with her about 20 years ago in March, uh, where she was standing near uh, an Israeli military bulldozer that was knocking over houses. And she was standing between the bulldozer and the house. And um, she said she had to go. We were supposed to do an interview in an hour. Of course, I never had a chance to do that interview because she was run over by the bulldozer. But I wanna remember, I really wanna remember Rachel Corey as I cry myself to sleep every night because she gave her life for the struggle for there to be a place for Palestinians to live safely, be free, one person, one vote. I'm still waiting. Right now it seems like a Palestinian state of mind. I would love the New York Times to draw me a map of what the two-state solution looks like right now. I did interview Francis Boyle, attorney who represented the Palestinians in all the two-state solution negotiations. And uh, I think it's worthy worthwhile going and checking back and seeing what he has to say about the two-state solution and his struggle to represent the Palestinians in that regard. It's incredibly important that we understand uh, structurally what's going on here. There 30 are by, seconds. There are, this is perfect then, because there are, by the way, now, my understanding is there's 130 children, Palestinian children dying being murdered or dying from circumstances. We're hearing the figures, but we're not hearing the figures of the people who are being buried under 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 feet of stone. There, I'm sure there's some still some children under there trying to breathe, but we're not going to get them. Thanks, Harv. Thank you, Dennis.
0: Uh, 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 Wendy Liederman and then David Guren and then Lynn Feinerman. I'm trying to go back and forth. Thank you.
4: you. Wendy, Um, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to yield to Lynn. I know that she's going to have a lot of things to say that um, are in alignment. Um, Off of what um, Dennis was just saying, I mean, we dropped, or not, well, technically, we. so Israel dropped I think 6000 bombs last week in 25 square miles I believe it is um that's like more than we dropped in Afghanistan in a year there's at least 6000 dead half of them are children um some controversial things that I don't don't want anyone to get mad at me for bringing up but I kind of have to um Netanyahu I mean and this isn't like theory this is well documented that Netanyahu funded and basically founded Hamas um, for like decades. We've, we've, and and um, all those bombs that are being dropped are from us. I mean, they're bought by the US taxpayers, they're US bombs. Um, it's really just, I mean, insanely heartbreaking to see this genocide, this cleansing that's happening. I think Spain is calling for Netanyahu to be brought against the um, international criminal courts for um, crimes against humanity what's happening here um I want to pose a question that I don't want, I'm not looking for an answer I'm just planting the question um where was the Israeli defense fund when Hamas was attacking Israel for hours when this is one of the most protected territories on the planet where were they where were they I mean if I don't want like bugs and critters to get in and close the door I don't want them in um something else I just want to point to that's not really getting a whole lot of attention there is that rabbi in Detroit that was stabbed this week um and people are talking about the rise of anti semitism well rabbi samantha wall her, because i had just seen her giving these like amazingly impassioned speeches about calling for peace with palestine and communication and she was killed in our home at 6 30 in the morning with like no sign of forced entry her flag her israeli flag wasn't desecrated at all um but she had founded, and I did some digging, it, and I found out that she had founded um, the Jewish, um, or the the Muslim Jewish, and she had gone to, like, high schools, and she was, for years, spending her career trying to build peaceful bridges. And so I feel like this is, she was kind of silenced, in in my opinion, and I just, I'm just really skeptical against this whole situation. 30
14: seconds.
4: We're heading to World War three Syria's airport was just attacked twice this week by Israel we need peace we cannot go down this path the planet will not survive this this is the end we need to find peace and negotiations and have the people rise above these governments these small minorities of psychopaths that are destroying humanity this has to end we need to come together and find a way out thank you
0: Thank you, uh, David Gurin and Lynn. Uh, I have no other guy to go after Lynn uh, to Ruth, so if anyone wants to jump in, we're, uh, there, are pl- there are spaces. Uh, Lynn Feynman, thank you, Wendy. Oh, and, and I'm sorry, uh, Dave
6: Gurin and then Lynn Feynman. Go ahead, Dave. Well um, I don't see, are you muted? Uh, da- uh, Mike, is he muted? Stupid.
18: Am I um can you hear me? Yes. Now yeah, go ahead. Okay. Keep, go ahead. Okay. Sorry about that. Um. So I can only see three solutions. One is the one-state solution. The other is the two-state, and the third is genocide. And right now, we're the Israelis are have been over the years been doing the genocide solution. The two-state solution. The Israelis have. Taken over a lot of the West Bank, dividing up the uh, where Palestinians can live, dividing uh, with with uh, highways that only Israelis can go down, um, and finally the one-state solution. The problem that the that the Israelis look at is they think they can't live with um, the Palestinians. Well, they're going to have to. That's what people do. You get along with people, you work out your laws, and that's what happened in in South Africa when apartheid and there wasn't the um, black population that killed all the um, Afrikaners. They learned to live with each other. They need to come to a re- resolution and um, go over the, what's happened in the last uh, many decades and resolve this. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, once again, from your your lips to God's ears. Um, Lynn Feinerman then uh, I don't know if Ruth dropped out, uh, but Myla Reason and Becca Calhoun, after after Lynn. go ahead and then Ruth Just hop back on. Oh, all right, so will come, Ruth will come back after Lynn. Go ahead, Lynn.
11: Yes, thank you. Um, I just wanna give a little background. Um, I was, I have lived there in Israel-Palestine for an aggregate of two years, been all over both Israel and Palestine, made a movie there called, If You Make It Possible, about grassroots peace builders there, Palestinians and Israelis also did a project called the Hebron Community Project, trying to teach nonviolent communication and other peace-building techniques to uh, Palestinian citizens of Hebron and Israeli settlers in Kiryat Arba. Uh, Did that with Dr. Paula Green, may her memory be a blessing. Um, The entire watershed, which everybody hides, uh, and it happened while I was laying in the music for my documentary, was when, the, uh, when Yitzhak Rabin got up and sang shir Le shalom with everybody in what's now called Rabin Square, and then was assassinated. That was not just an assassination. It was a coup d'etat. It was um, Benjamin Netanyahu was behind it all the way. Uh, he uh, drove the Nidakipa religious settlers to a frenzy. Uh, they had posters up all over the place of Rabin and Akathiyah, which was supposed to be you know, a terrible, terrible thing. And um, since then, um, that coup d'etat has been supported mightily by the U.S. I just want to point out that Benjamin Netanyahu could get away with that because he was backed by the U.S. and the U.S. has done that in Honduras, I mean, from Honduras to Hungary, and, and round back again. The United States is supporting pretty much every coup d'etat, fomenting coup d'etats, giving the arms and armaments for the coup d'etat. What I really believe we have to do is that um, that we we really need a gigantic general strike against the military-industrial complex in the United States. Uh, which is fomenting so much of the violence around this planet. And I guess that follows Wendy, you know, in a sense, because Wendy's saying we have to rise up and do something about this. Um, 30 seconds. I guess, you know, I could give more history. I mean, she mentioned that uh, Netanyahu has been funding Hamas all along in order to destabilize Mahmoud Abbas's Palestinian authority we have enough history, we know this, we need to pay attention to it and we need to understand the role of the United States in all of these coup d'etat, including the one that Netanyahu did against Yitzhak Rabin and against the will of the Israeli people. Um, um Rabin, Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lynn. Um, Mike, uh, you're saying people are complaining against you in the in the chat. I don't know why anybody would take issue with Mike Hirsch in this. Please don't use the chat to um, attack him. He's doing the um, uh, timekeeping right now and that's it. Uh, So Mike, thank you for your work on this and uh, please ignore anybody's, I don't know why anybody would have an issue in the chat. Uh, Thank you. Um, uh, I have three women now, Ruth Strauss, Myra Reason, and
6: Becca Calhoun. Ruth, uh, three minutes please. Okay. okay, thanks.
2: Um, first of all, Dennis, I remember Rachel Corey very much, and uh, the brute I'm sorry, but the brutality of Israelis is just unbelievable that they could mow her down and she was standing, you know in plain sight in the middle of the road. I've seen that clip. Um, anyway, uh, what uh, I wanted to say, and I'm sure everybody in this zoom Has seen this, but I want to recall it to you for people who are, you know, um, really anti Palestinian. I think it must have been 15 or 20 years ago, Dorothy Reich, you know, organized something for PDSMM, and it was the showing of Occupation 101. And that is still, you know, relevant today. And it's a great, unfortunately, it's a great educational tool for people who, you know, you might run into who do not understand what has gone on um, in uh, Gaza. So, you know, if anybody's forgotten about it, I'm sure you all have seen it. But if you've forgotten about it, I definitely would recommend it to people who um, are unaware. And finally, it's just ironic to me. That uh the Israelis are calling, you know, uh Palestinians, I think it's I think it's Hamas animals, but I think it may generalize to Palestinians. And they have reduced them to that. They are fighting over pieces of bread. That is just heartbreaking. Um, people who are there to cover uh the uh you know bombing and all of that, they are going to be pulling out. I just heard today about um. A reporter from, I believe, Finland, who was there with his wife and children and was running around trying to find a bottle of water and a piece of bread for his pregnant wife. So it's just uh, it's just heartbreaking. And um, thank you, Harvey, for allowing us to vent about this.
0: Well, this is uh, the least fun hour we've had on these calls, but I didn't see an alternative. Um, when um, Myla and then Becca, were going to call, oh, I see Justin, Eric. Okay. Myla, go ahead, please. Liz, if you want to speak, we're down to 3.37, three-minute segments. We will end at the top of the hour. So please put in your hand if you want to speak. Myla, go
6: ahead, and then Becca.
3: Thank you, Harvey. Um, I'm sharing the picture of this uh, six-year-old young man who was stabbed to death by his landlord in Detroit, who he considered to be like his gra- own grandfather. They were very close, but it just demonstrates how people can lose their minds and uh, lose all uh, sense of uh, right and wrong in in, in situations like this. Um, I'm gonna stop sharing this uh Wadea Al Fayoume had um escaped from a horrible situation and uh and unfortunately lost his life but needlessly. Um my family I just want to stop this share. Okay. So um my my father was born in Ukraine. And he uh, he he suffered as a child during the pogroms. He lived with his grandfather, who was. uh, uh, A rav. he taught, uh, he taught about uh, Judaism and a very wise man. And my father crossed Europe as a a young child. Um, Uh. In by means of something like an underground railroad without papers came to the US um, and uh, I just want to say. What I would like to see happen is a ceasefire. I think there's been enough bloodshed enough brutality. And it's got to end. Um, Revenge is not uh, not going to solve anything. What we need is more humanity more kindness, we need to see the humanity in one another. And, um, you know, it's just heartbreaking to see what's going on. It has to stop, it really has to stop. And and that's all I have to say. Thank you, Harvey.
6: Thank you,
0: Myla. Um, um, uh, Rebecca, uh, where did you go? You just disappeared. Uh, Becca, what happened here? Uh, all right well uh, Becca come back please. Uh, Justin, go
9: ahead, unmute Justin. go ahead. Sure. Uh, so Maybe. I my, my family comes from Poland and they were carved up many times uh, to be part of many other nations, partly because of their stubbornness that oh, we have to have our own uh, our own solution, these landlords decided. And so I understand that there is a bunch of butting of heads that is going on here, and I can't necessarily answer all the problems. But one of the things that I would hope that we would search for is, you know, Polish are famous for another thing called solidarity, which is the idea that without an economic foundation, you can't have political freedom. And, you know, we're fighting for that uh, level of things, even in the United States, but The Palestinians are especially stuck in this regard because they can't even produce their own food on the land that they have. And so they need something that is of economic viability that they can trade to have their own independence. I don't have an answer to that one as well, but if somebody who does, I'd love to chat with you about it and I'll put my contact information in the chat.
0: Thank you, Justin.
9: Uh, Becca, we're
0: gonna try you again here. Where'd you go?
6: i'm here
19: can you hear okay, me okay
0: good go ahead uh, please becca calhoun okay. three um, minutes please
19: yeah i've i've probably like everybody here been so upset since october 7th sometimes i can hardly sleep at night and uh, each atrocity just kind of rips you out starting you know starting with the people who were kidnapped and Uh, murdered in their homes and then rolling on to the disproportionate response Um, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood I'm not Jewish but I grew up uh, loving Israel until about the 80s when I started to find out oh there was a flip side and then I studied and I realized it was a very difficult situation I'm now a member of Jewish Voice for Peace because that's one of the ways I thought I can still be be mindful of my jewish friends and neighbors some of them have relatives in israel and yet still work for a peaceful solution because there's a cycle like there can be a ceasefire and i'm surely praying there'll be one but it won't end the cycle of violence it has to there has to be a peace a solution, and there there might have been at different times, but there wasn't enough political will, I think on the side of Israel. But we are in America, that Israel could not exist without the US government. We have a lot of power in this situation. If our government will listen to us that we want serious peace. We fund Israel to a great amount of money. We give them political cover. The weapons that are being dropped right now, a lot, if maybe not all of them, I don't know, are American-made. So we have the power to, to turn this around. That's it.
0: Thank you, Becca. Thank you. Um, Eric, Linda, and Mike, um, is that all right? Mike, you good with this? Thank you for thank you for uh,
13: keeping. Yeah, these- I, I'm I'm trying to to order a few extra arms online so I can keep up with everything. But yeah, everything's going great, Sluggo. Thank you so much.
0: All right, thank you, Eric, Linda, and then Mike. If you want to speak, uh, your your three minutes uh, that that would be a good time for you. Uh, go ahead, Eric, and then Linda,
10: please. Hey, um, I know that I don't know much about this controversy and. I know for sure um, that I'm not qualified to have an opinion about a lot of questions, one state, two states, something like that. The idea of taking one entire session of this meeting um, and having someone who's passionately for a one state solution, someone who's passionately for a two state solution, but who's clearly way smarter than I am about this on um, maybe two three different perspectives but people who really like written books about it or something like cuz i seems to me i'm listening to a lot of people who are not act, not not to have this meeting I'm going outside this meeting i have been listening to a lot of people who clearly don't know more than i do and have very strong opinions with basically no knowledge it's pretty obvious um so yeah it would be it would be refreshing um to actually get real education from people who spend their lives studying it. Thanks so much, I'm Eric. All
0: right, thank you, thank you Eric. Uh, Linda Seeley, and then uh, Mike, I'll give you, if you want your three minutes, and then Betty Kisilov, and we're at 3.44. So go ahead, uh, Linda Seeley, please.
5: Thanks, Harvey, I, I I just wanna say one thing, which is I think we need to look at this through the lens of who who's getting rich doing this? that it's like so many people are being sacrificed for the,. for the purpose of destruction in and in that destruction, the stock market has gone up. um and the the, um, munitions company and the war companies, all of the, you know, Raytheon and uh, Lockheed Martin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The same people that fuel our war machine are benefiting from this war in, in Israel and um, Palestine and Gaza. And these and there's no. I I, I don't know. We need a ceasefire. I think the people of the U.S. have to rise up. We're the ones who are funding it um, along with the uh, um, along with Iran, I think that it's not it's just like using human beings as sacrificial uh, lambs for the purpose of enriching somebody's pocketbook and keeping us at odds with each other people all people want is to be safe to have food to take care of their kids to be uh, warm um to have friends to have community that's all anybody wants and the people who are suffering are have no power So, you know, I think that we just are going to have to rise up against our government and, you know, demand um, a ceasefire. And I I don't, just like the last person said, I don't know enough about it to be able to um, have a practice. 30 seconds. That's all.
0: I'm just going to, and I, I just want to, thank you, Linda. I want to add a quote from Dr. Benjamin Spock in his uh, book on baby and child care. He told women who just had children that you more than you know more than you think you know. And uh, I, I'm not a believer in expert opinions. Uh, I, I, I mean, I am to a certain extent, but I'm a believer in what comes from your heart, Eric, and and Linda and everybody else, is of equal value. So don't think you know, don't know enough. Uh, to me, I have an opinion on this, for God's sakes. Um, Mike, did you want to
13: speak your piece, Mike Mike Curtis? Yeah, thank you, Slug, Owen. I deeply appreciate all the views that people have expressed just now. Um, We're all entitled to our opinion. We all have morality and ethics. We're all very well-informed people in various fields, and we all have wisdom to bring to bear And I think that one thing we all agree on is that the killing has got to stop immediately and then the talking needs to begin to move towards a resolution. And I'd like to share in the chat a link to a congressional resolution that um, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who is herself a Palestinian, has brought forth in Congress. And you can click on this link and you can help support her effort to educate her colleagues in Congress um, who have a long way to go to understanding and feeling compassion for the Palestinian people who had their nation stolen away from them. So please, if you would go into the chat and click on that link to support the congressional resolution for a ceasefire, there's more information at that link, but we really need everybody we can on that. If you can copy that link, and share it with all your friends on social media, email, however you need to get it out there because we need a groundswell. We need the American people to tell the US Congress that we will not have this done in our name, that the fighting needs to end and the peacemaking needs to begin. And um, again, thank you Sluggo for doing this. Thank you for all the participants who've been incredibly thoughtful, respectful, and kind because that's how we're gonna get to peace. And I think that this is a, um, just a great example of how people can come together and speak rationally and respectfully. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sluggo. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we have,
0: um, it's now 3.50 California time. We have Betty Kisilov. Uh, we have room for two or three more, two more. Um, uh, otherwise, we'll shut it down. Mike's done a beautiful job with Myla of engineering this. We appreciate it. Um, uh, go ahead, Betty, please.
6: Hi. Anybody else, time
0: to raise your hand, please.
6: Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes,
20: hello. Um, I, I um, think the phrase that Linda used in talking about, we need to look through um, all this th- through a different lens. And I think ultimately,
6: both Israel, the Palestinians, and everyone, on this planet
20: um, has to look through the lens of, for example, in the state of, uh, in the Middle East, um, Israel says the land belongs to us, the Palestinians say the land
6: belongs to us, when ultimately we all belong to the land.
20: And until we start acknowledging that, which science is telling us, we're planetary beings. And still we start acting like them, like like who we really are, instead of the story that goes back certainly um, to the beginnings of patriarchy, which I think now is, everything is hitting the fan from that. that ultimately we have to start behaving like the planetary beings we are and realize um, uh, we belong to the land. We are of the land and of this planet.
6: And I, I just like everybody on this call to imagine if we really took that to heart, and started behaving out um, like that. Imagine what, what 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 our lives, what this planet, what every being on it um, could look like. Thank you very much. And just one uh, a quote Thanks. that
20: uh, my, one of my favorite quotes from David Suzuki the um, Canadian scientist, environmentalist, how you imagine the world determines how you live in it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Betty, much appreciated. Really great. Uh, Robert Desmarais?
6: Yes, at the end of World War II, MacArthur obliged At the end of World War II, MacArthur obliged the Japanese to give up their belief that the emperor was divine. Both the Palestinians and the Israelis need to give up their belief that God gave that land to them, because I believe God has never given any land to any group of people. Well, thank you for that, uh, uh,
0: Robert. Uh, Does anyone else want to speak? We're at 3.53. Um, uh, I will throw in uh, the one solution I uh, ever offered. I never discussed Palestine and Israel, if I can avoid it, but uh, I suggested a uh, Lysistrata strategy. You you mentioned, uh, uh, Betty, that the the men, uh, I am of the firm belief that the men are responsible and that the most important transition going on in the world is the transition of the power from men to women. Uh, as I, as a da- father of five daughters, I can I have a bias, but uh, and I suggested that there be a referendum that would be held um, in Israel and Palestine between all the people in those in that area, but that only women be allowed to vote, and that they choose only women to uh, enter in negotiations. And that um, whatever uh, come out of the negotiations from represent female representatives of both sides um, must be put into effect, and that um, if any if they're violated, then women throughout the planet will stop having relations with their men, and that will that will solve the solution right then and there. Um, uh, so I, I was I'm actually very serious about that, but what can I tell you? But I do believe, ultimately, this is a male problem. And that it it is a, uh, you'll notice all the leaders here uh, are men, and um, uh, that's got to stop. Anyway, I see two hands. It's 355. Uh, Go ahead, Vinnie and Lynn,
1: um, please. One quick question. Would that include Margaret Thatcher and Hillary Clinton? Yeah, it would. But it would also include um, Angela
0: Merkel and the former prime minister of but this would be only Israelis and Palestinians, and only women could vote. Well, Harvey, from your lips to dog's ears. There you go. <laughs> well, anyway, okay, Lynn, go ahead. I don't want to. Get yeah, I
11: just wanted to make a response to Robert DeMare, uh, who said that uh, he thought that Creator didn't give any land to anybody on a permanent basis. Um, it basically says that straight up in the Torah. You know, at a certain point, creator says, you know, since the land is mine, I consider you to be, and this is the R.E.A. Kaplan translation, by the way, I consider you to be alien residents and settlers, as far as I'm concerned, just so as you all know.
6: Okay, thank
0: you for that, Lynn. Uh, Steve Kaiser, you haven't spoken, and then we'll go back to Dorothy, and I think we'll be done. Anybody else I want to just, get a word? And raise your I hand, just, please.
10: Just want to mention, Harvey, you're uh, describing the plot of an ancient Greek play called. Yeah, My that's Sister why I got Talk. it.
0: It's yeah, by I Aristophanes.
10: That. And yes. that's where the women women collaborate uh, not to have anything to do with their men unless they stop fighting the Peloponnesian War. Right. All I right. wish
0: it had happened. The Peloponnesian but, War was awful. But they, they, in the play, they succeed.
10: Well, in the play, Right. On television, it's a happy ending.
0: Thank you. There you go. Thank you for that. uh, Dorothy, then Dennis. Dorothy, right? Are you unmuted? We always have trouble with unmuting you. And Dennis, I'll go ahead and unmute you. And then I think we're going to be done. Go ahead, Dorothy.
16: Here I go. Here I go. Um, So that play was Liz Estrada, by the way. Um, I would just say watch out for... um, Golda Meir was no saint, and Tippi Libney is the one who said that all Palestinian children were snakes and they should be annihilated. So, you know, we're no angels. I women. we're just quieter about it. You can't uh, I, think think you're, they're, I
0: think you're angels, but I have five daughters. What can I tell you?
16: <laughs> yeah, well, they're your daughters, so they, they're different.
0: Okay. Thank you, Dorothy. Uh, Dennis, and then we're, anybody else um, going, going, oh, gone. We're 350. Thank so, you, Warren. So, Go ahead, Dennis.
17: Thank you. This has been sane and beautiful. Thank you for doing this. I just want to invite people to flashpoints tonight. We're going to have Dima Shiabi. She's an extraordinary poet. She's a Palestinian poet. And she's got 30 relatives in the Gaza Strip now, ducking the bombs. So she's going to talk about her, you know, trying to speak with different people in her family. And she's going to read some poetry. Uh, I think it'll be pretty beautiful. She's quite powerful.
0: So, Dennis' show is Flashpoints. It's a KPFA. And um, um, I'm going to wish for peace, for God's sakes. And, um, and the shutdown of Diablo, what well, is shut, we need to keep it shut. And a peace of Pacifica, for God's sakes. And uh, well, this is the first time I approached an hour on. Thank you, Dennis. Is there more you wanted to say? Your hand is still up. I'm good. No, no. Okay. Uh, this is the first time I've approached a um, an hour on our Greek calls with trepidation, but I am deeply moved and uh, barely able to speak. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. See you next week. And let's hope that there is peace when we come together in a week. Take care.
6: No war. Thank no- you so
0: much, everybody. And, thank uh, you, Mike. You can- thank you, Myla, for, for engineering. We really appreciate it.
13: And if we can get a slug of wasp and choked up, we know we're doing (laughs) something right.
0: Not hard to get me choked up, but thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Everybody, no nukes. uh,
6: and, And peace, please, as soon as possible.